Yeah. Um, uh, in blackest day or brightest night, uh, watermelon, cantaloupes, yada, yada, a superstitious and cowardly lot, with liberty and justice for all. Banded together from remote galaxies are the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Dudes. Dude. His dudeness, duder, El Duderino. Dude, dude. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the universe. Greetings, Kermit the Frog here. And today I'd like to tell you a little bit about the color green. Uh, do you know what's green? It's the Legion of Dudes podcast. It's not that easy being green Having to spend each day the color of the leaves And now, here's the dudes When I think it could be nicer Being red or yellow or gold Or something much more colorful like that Welcome, everyone, to the third installment of our Legion of Dudes Presents Green Lantern. This is our, as I said, final installment with the prelude to Blackest Night, or the War of Light, however you want to call it. We'll be covering the issues of Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps that came after Sinestro Corps War, straight up through, um, really, just last week with Green Lantern number 43, because if you all don't already know, yesterday, Blackest Night number one came out. So we're going to talk a little bit about how we got here, and um, as we are obviously recording before the book came out, we're not going to discuss Blackest Night number one yet. However, go ahead and go to uh, backtolegionofdudes.com. You'll probably find, if not right now, very soon an audio blog where we're going to come back and discuss the, uh, the first issue of, of the arc. Joining me tonight are the rest of the usual conspirators of the Legion of Dudes. I've got Mr. Adam Umack. Mr. Jim Dietz, Johnny M., and Russell Latham. Say hi, guys. Hey, hey. Hello there. Hello, everyone. Before we hi, get, guys. Before we get going, I'll do a uh, little housekeeping. You know what? We haven't played a voicemail in a while. We always ask for you guys for that. So um, I'm going to play a voicemail real quick, okay? What's up, Legion of Dudes? This is Triple X VG on the forums. Now I was just calling to tell you guys I'm absolutely loving the podcast. I'm really waiting for episode 50. Uh, I know it's going to be awesome, but probably rival episode 300 of Half Hour Wasted. Uh, so keep up the great work. Listen to episode 64, animation, examination. Great stuff, man. Um, so just keep up the great work, and I hope your episode 50 rocks hard. So uh, talk to you guys later. See you on the forums. Bye. Does Half Hour Wasted have 300 episodes already? Well, he is from the future, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's he awesome. came back from the future. That's, right. That's why he has a super cool uh, Iron Fist uh, avatar on the forums. Excellent. That was drawn for him in the future. Excellent. That, that is going to be a cool night. We're going to do episode 50, of course. That is August 2nd, 9 p.m. Eastern. We're going to do a live recording. And last week on the show, we announced uh, we're going to have quite a few prizes to give away. And there's uh, several ways you can enter for those prizes. Basically, just participate in the sh- in the show. Call in live. We'll ask you a dude's trivia question, or if you think you won't be available, just uh, leave us a voicemail and ask us a question that way. And of course, you can also go to our Facebook group and leave us a video question, and we'll play the video right on the uh, right in the recording. Let everybody see your uh, your lovely face. 
<laughs> you can also you can also drop us a question in the forums at www.thecomicforums.com under the Half Hour Wasted and Legion of Dude forums. There's a thread there for episode 50. We've gotten a lot of good questions so far. A lot of one a lot of questions I've been uh, really pondering and thinking about the answers for. I know Johnny has and I both have a very serious question uh, put to us by our friend Sean Pryor that we'd have to mull over for that. So uh, please check us out, uh, out there as well. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited about uh, episode 50. We We have some good stuff for... The listeners, we reached out, and we're definitely sponsored by Top Cow and, and Xenoscope as well. And they sent some great stuff, and we have some other prizes lined up: uh, some DVDs from Magnolia, and, and, and books from Titan, and we got lots of stuff planned. So, should be a good time. Can you believe that one year ago we did uh, Who Reads the Watchman number one? That to me is uh, like just mind blowing. It, it, that a year's gone by so quick. You know, it hit me when I was checking out and I saw that our domain renewal was coming due. It's been a year already that we had the legionofdudes.com. Like, that's, I can't believe it's been a year already, like you said. It's been a year since I spoiled Watchmen for you, Ken. <laughs> the first 10 seconds of the broadcast. I mean, what a record. <laughs> that was an omen for sure. It certainly was. And we're still here. Um, so, episode 50 is on uh, August 2nd, we said. We've had a lot of friends of the show coming around, and Jim, I think you have some people to talk about. I do indeed. I'd like to uh, return the shout-out to our friends at the Lantern Cast. Uh, they were kind enough to answer a question I dropped for them in the forums. And I also mentioned our, uh, it's uh, Dan and Jim over at thelanterncast.com. Uh, and uh, they uh, were kind enough to mention our Green Lantern show. And if you like the Orange Lantern, learn more, 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 more of the Green Lantern talk and the, the um, are enamored with the Green Lantern Corps, then definitely check out their podcast. They are lantern-centric and they know more about Green Lantern than I do about Alan Moore. So that's pretty, uh, that's pretty impressive. That's so lot. thanks a lot for the, uh, the pimpage, gentlemen. Very good. Thank you very much. And, uh, Russ, you and I spent a lot of time with some Star Wars uh, content, both with our episode on uh, Vector and our audio blog on Star Wars Invasion. But we've got something a little more serious to talk about tonight, right? Yeah. I, we got a post on the message boards on the comicforums.com earlier today. Somebody posted that John Ostrander our followers, a writer extraordinaire, has been suffering from glaucoma for about 20 years, so they've kind of created a website, and there's been a ploy out there for folks to kind of help out with his medical expenses. It's called comicsforsight.com, and it's, it's www.comix, the number four, S-I-G-H-T, dot com. Um, and there's a little PayPal icon there if you can, you know, if you want to support his cause and try and get him back to health, that would be a terrible loss to, to the industry and, and to, you know, imagine for him personally and his family and whatnot, to lose him to be able to contribute to, to this hobby we so love um, so much. And Hero Initiative is going to be doing some stuff. They're going to be doing some, some things at the 2009 Chicago Comic Con. So, like I said, there's a PayPal link there where you can donate. Um, you can support him, as always, by, you know, buying his books. I think he's a great writer. The stuff he's been doing on Star Wars Legacy has been out of sight. He's written some X-Men stuff in the past. So, He's been in the industry for a very, very long time. Um, his That's credits right. are on he, that um, Yeah, he created uh, Grimjack back in the 80s uh, for First Comics. Yeah. He had that great run on the Spectre for DC in the 80s with Tom Mandrake. He also created the Suicide Squad uh, in the late 80s, uh, just on, uh, John Ostrander. Uh, he's been around for a long time. He's a really great writer. He's been in the comics industry for a long time. And that he's on hard times like this is a real shame. So. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, comicsforsight.com. Check it out. And if you can, lend a hand. Yeah, we're definitely going to want to check that out. Thank you. And we'll put that website in our show notes as well. Check that out. All right, before we get into the meat of our episode, which, of course, is uh, 
if you say Green Lantern. One of the creators who made all this possible is, of course, Ethan Van Skyver, and he was just featured on our brother podcast, Half Hour Wasted, just this week on their episode 130. Any of you guys get a chance to listen to that yet? Yeah, I'm about uh, most of the way through the episode right now, and it's, it's an incredible interview. The guys really just knocked it out of the park. I don't know if you heard their previous interview they did with Ethan. I think it was episode back in the 30s or 70s. It was... Uh, quite some time ago, and they, they interviewed him for a while, and it's 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 a pretty extended interview. It goes on for I think close to two hours, and he's just a great sport, gives great information. I just love listening to him talk about non comic stuff. He's just he just seems like a cool guy to mm-hmm. to you know meet in a bar somewhere and you know buy him a beer and just kind of chat with him about life and stuff. No, that's what it was. It was just a bunch of guys uh, you know talking not just comics but everything else. Talked about a, a trip he recently took. I don't want to give you know too much of the thing away. It was a great interview. Definitely want to go check it out at halfhourwasted.com um, or in legionofdudes.com, in fact. Uh, was he drawing this time? He was drawing. He, 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 he was drawing. I'm not going to say what he was drawing. He does say in the episode, but it, uh, it was Flash-related, so I'll leave it at that. That's cool. Uh, in fact, Brad, uh, or Brad or Frank asked him the, exactly that question. What are you drawing right now? Because we know you're drawing right now. And he said, oh, yeah, I am, definitely, and here's what I'm doing, so... So we didn't give anything away about what's coming up in uh, in Flash Rebirth, but we did talk a little bit about that. Talked a lot about his creative process, what his uh, uh, not so much what his personal or uh, professional plans are, but just some ideas of where he thinks he wants to go. And but nothing's been decided. Certainly not what he's doing beyond Flash Rebirth, because quite frankly, at this point, he doesn't know. But there was he talked about everything from uh, you know working with Jeff Johns, working with Grant Morrison, work, working with with DC and Marvel. You know his vacation. <laughs> you know, there's just so so much. It's um. It was a, it was two hours of insight into one of the uh, the great talents of this uh, uh, of this of this industry, and like I said, one of the reasons I am as deep into this com this this hobby as I am was because of I've said before Green Lantern Rebirth, and so definitely check that out. Shall Absolutely. we? Shall we move in? Real quick before we get started on the books, yeah. The news came out this week that uh, Ryan Reynolds will be our live action Green Lantern. Any thoughts? Any opinions? That uh, many, huh? No, I, I, I don't have an opinion either way. I haven't seen him in that much, or I can't say for sure I've seen him in anything beyond uh, Wolverine. Um, I know, John, I think you've said you've always seen he's playing the funny guy, like the wise guy, smart, smart, cracking kind of thing. And, you know, maybe that can translate into the arrogant, cocky fighter pilot that Hal needs to be. You know, maybe we'll be surprised, and this guy can act, and he's not just a one-note sh- one shot like, uh, like a lot of people think he is. Or maybe he's just, you know, a pretty face and a name that is which is all Warner Bros. cared about. I'm actually more concerned about the uh, the special effects and making them, um, you know, these these constructs that the rings can can create somewhat believable. If you can, you know, if, if you know what I mean, because I've seen some pretty bad effects uh, regarding a ring. If you remember the old, you know, Justice League live action pilot from about 15 years ago or so. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, not, yeah. technology has definitely gotten better. But I, I I really am more interested in that than I am the uh, the casting. At least not to the point where I'm concerned about this this choice. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, like, with the exception of Catwoman and Superman Returns, I mean, WB over there, they're pretty squared away with their DC licensed properties with Batman and Watchmen and everything else. I'm just thanking the Lord our God that it's not Justin Timberlake as uh, the day before uh, the Reynolds announcement was making the rounds on, on the news. You know what? You know, I wasn't even that concerned about if it was Justin Timberlake because, no, I'm not a fan of his oh, music. and oh, I'm not a fan of his music. I'm not a fan of the way you see I've seen him in his so-called public life, but at least when he's not acting. But when I've seen him act, I've at least seen him do 
not himself, if you know what I mean. I mean, I've seen him do different characters to the point where I didn't see Justin Timberlake. So I believe that he at least has some ability to act, and I would probably be fine with that, at least to the point where I wasn't concerned if it was him. He was hilarious on Saturday Night Live when he's uh, been yeah. a guest host. I, I don't know. Ryan Reynolds looks the part, but I don't know if he can act the part. I would have rather they went with like David Boreanaz or um, Nathan Fillion would have been great. Um, the, another actor I was trying to uh, remember, uh, Bradley Cooper. But I, I don't know. Ryan Reynolds just seemed like seems too smart alecky. It'd almost be like casting you know your uh, casting Han Solo in the Luke Skywalker part. You know what I mean? I mean, how like Buck's authority, but he's not you know smarmy about it the way Ryan Reynolds seems like he would be. But that's where it comes down to what I what I mean by you know maybe maybe he can act and we just haven't seen him do anything beyond that type of role. Maybe 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 he can actually do it. The director's the dude who did James Bond, so like that's that yeah. Isn't this yeah, Mark Campbell? Yeah, he's like the only dude who like resurrected two movie franchises, like James Bond and what else did he direct? Uh, I I forget, but it's like he's got a pretty good like track record as far as stuff like that goes. So I mean, he made James Bond cool, which was a, a dusted off relic from you know movie cinema past. So I don't know. I'm hopeful. Is it going to be Dark Knight? You know, probably not. That's I don't. I wouldn't you know say grim and gritty. This is like you know spectacle. I think a lot more than story. At least with with some you know been on the uh, the script here for the last couple go-arounds. I'm looking forward to yeah, it regardless. The way uh, Dark Knight is a crime story, this should be a sci-fi story. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I really want hope most of this takes place you know, in space. Kind of like what they're doing with the animated feature. Most of that is in space. Um, the very, very little of it is supposed to be uh, on Earth, and I kind of hope they kind of take the same take with the uh, the live action. And now that said, I don't want them just to take the the animated and make and turn it into live action. I hope it's an original story and you know, but if both are an, uh, if both things are an origin story, there's going to be some, a lot of overlap. But I hope they can actually pull it off that they are two different things. I think part of it is the writing. I think the reason they write Ryan Reynolds the way he does is just the characters he plays. I mean, you know, Hannibal King in, Trin- in Blade Trinity was that kind of character. Deadpool is that kind of character. So it'll be interesting to see if they if they write him not mm-hmm. that way, and th- or if they write him to to you know Reynolds' strength as that type of character. So it'll be interesting to see how they how the you know the creative team plays it. You know, that's what I'm going to say. I mean, if they write it to his strength, they may actually write Hal to be more comicky, if you will, than cocky. So that, I mean, I, it's a wait and see. But I'm not. Yeah. I'm not like concerned or up in arms about it. In fact, the the, the for- general message I've seen on the forums, it's generally been positive that I can see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, overall, is it a bad choice? Absolutely not. I, I personally, I think Nathan Fillion would have been a better choice. Maybe he's a little bit older, maybe a little too old for that part. I also like Bradley Cooper. I think he would have been a great choice too. But you know, I, I can't say it's a it's a bad choice with with Ryan Reynolds. I didn't I don't envision Hal being that tall because because Reynolds I think is a pretty tall dude. But I think they could have done a lot worse. And there's nothing you know it hasn't it definitely hasn't turned me off. So we'll see. Hey Adam, the uh, the other franchise you were thinking of was Zorro. He uh, directed both Zorro flicks. Yeah, you're right. Were those good? No, really. <laughs> I, just, I, <laughs> I didn't see either. Zorro, is there more than one Zorro movie? Like, yeah, there, there's two. The first one was much better. Oh, the Antonio Banderas ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Mask of Zorro, and then uh, the Legend of Zorro. And the Mask of Zorro was that. It was actually a pretty darn good movie. Legend was okay. I mean, it, you know, it was a lot of stunts and a lot of action, but but Mask of Zorro, I thought, just had a really cool story and um, it was very well done. I was leaving the theater. We went to the uh, Park Row Cinema Complex after watching Zorro. 
we were walking outside, and this kid was walking with his parents, and uh, this mugger came up to mom. <laughs> he said, I want, you, I want your pearl Wait, necklace. Wait, stop, stop me if you've heard this one before, okay? <laughs> I mean, this guy, he just shot this kid's parents. It was crazy. I, Oh. The pearls hit the ground like oh, in slow motion. Oh my god! And then, like, it was weird because the power in the entire city went out, except for one lamppost that this kid knelt down by. It was very strange. Yeah, it's a totally different podcast. <laughs> oh my! On with the funny books. On with the funny books. So, the the war is over. Sinestro War has ended. We've already said Sinestro has won. Now the the Green Lanterns have to clean up the mess. We are gonna go a little little unique again because this is basically two years worth of books across two titles. We have over 40 individual issues just to look at. So we are not at all going to be going issue by issue on these. We are going to take a look at them in storylines. There are fortunately distinct storylines across each title, uh, one of which is rather, lo- rather, rather long, which is the, the Secret Origin arc in Green Lantern. So we're going to kind of look at all the Green Lantern books, then go through the Green Lantern core storylines, and then we're going to kind of bring it together with a look at the uh, the Prelude, Blackest Night issues, which is Blackest Night number zero, the Free Comic Book Day book, and Green Lantern number forty three, which I said just came out last week, and uh, kind of positioned us to kick off Blackest Night this week. So first off on our deck, we have uh, Green Lantern. Who are the Alpha Lanterns? This covers Green Lantern twenty six through twenty eight, and um, this is the second, I believe, of the new. New Laws of Oa um, how it was being enacted with the creation of the Alpha Lanterns. Does that sound right, Adam? Um, yeah, in uh, true Guardian fashion, they uh, play it by ear and make it up as they go along. And in an effort to like uh, really hone out justice with a capital J, the Guardians decide that they need to just be straight-up zealots about this stuff. And they send out their Guardian beams to more or less find out the um, Green Lanterns who are how would you describe it, Ken? Like most apt or like most uh, in need of a sense of and desire for justice. And basically, uh, these guys are selected to become the Alpha Lanterns. John Stewart's offered the option. They basically become the internal affairs department of the Green Lantern Corps. Right. So as the Manhunters were, and uh, again, a horribly failed experiment, which we'll see in Rage of the Red Lanterns, as the Manhunters were, uh, you know, billions of years ago, so are the Alpha Lanterns now. It's just another constant undermining of the Honor Guard, the Core, and just the Guardians uh, reacting. And reacting in such a huge way that it gets the ball rolling more and more about the prophecy that they blew up from the Book of Oa. I was going to say, I think the, the, the uh, comparison you made is pretty apt. They're like the internal affairs department of the police corps that is the Green Lantern Corps. So they're like the be- maybe not the best of the best, but the most willful toward, uh, toward justice. And they also get that same reaction that the uh, internal affairs officers get. I don't know, have, you ever, have you ever seen The Departed or another you know, uh, police uh, drama like that? The other police are very wary of internal affairs, very scared and intimidated by them because they're not sure if you know, the finger is going to be pointed at them next. And that's definitely the vibe I get from the Alpha Lanterns among the rest of the Green Lanterns. Yeah, it's like, you know, call your union rep. You got to talk to IA whenever, like, they're, when, when, like, whenever, you know, an officer fires a gun, you know, internal affairs looks into that, you know, to make sure that it was, a, you know, a clean kill. Like, uh, you know, picture the wire or the shield or, or, or any of the cop shows, like Homicide or whatever, you know. IA is always, you know, 
uh, rats. You know what I mean? Just un- untrustworthy. And they're um, a police force with inside a police force. That's the whole like uh, you know man of two worlds kind of thing. No respect really on those. Some of the the key things that played out in here. One of them is that these these alpha lanterns were created by uh, combining two of the uh, creations of the of the guardians. One of course is the Green Lantern Corps and the Rings. The other is the Manhunters. It's basically Manhunter technology behind the alpha lantern. So I guess they're as much machine as they are being organic being. They have their own battery built into them, and they. Uh, can earn a second ring uh, based on their actions. I'm just looking through through to see who our Alpha Lanterns are. I'm just trying to find the names. I know Laria is I'm, is one, and uh, Boudica is uh, going to be one. Boudica's Boudica. one, and Green Man right is is another one. And then you have the dude who looks like Cubert, but he's like a diamond hexagon dude <laughs> with the mohawk. He's one. Kraken, Varix. and he like said John Stewart was selected, but he's like, whoa, I want to know more about this before we go forward. But everyone else is like, it was all in pretty quickly. So would you guys say, I'm, I'm looking at like the second page of the issue. It's like that full page of Sinestro like sitting there. Right. And you get the narrative from Hal saying the war is over and, and Sinestro saying I won, mm-hmm. which is a great page, by the way. Is, it the, is the, the creation of the Alpha Lanterns a kind of a sign that Sinestro did his what he was setting out to do. I mean, they're, they're in fear now, right? I mean, the reason that they've created these Alpha Lanterns is because they're afraid of something like that happening again. I say exactly, you're exactly right. It's, uh, Sinestro wanted the Guardians to, to take, I guess, more of an active role, certainly you know, actively punish the guilty you know, and be more, rule more like he did on Korrigar, and that's exactly what the Alpha Lanterns are doing. So that's where he kind of gets the, he's got this smirk on his face in the cell, you know, so even though it, it appears that he lost the war, that's why he feels that he won. Well, he, he yeah, he felt he won as soon as they rewrote the Book of Oa and allowed lethal force. I mean, just right, right. there was uh, was the first sign. And, and and as they continued to enact these laws and become stricter and stricter, and this is all, and this may not have been Sinestro's plan, but this is all going to be leading towards again towards the ultimate genesis of Blackest Night because it's the rejection of all emotion that's going to help bring the dead forward, and everything they do is going to help it, the Guardians. That is, do is going to is all about rejecting emotion to the point where there's going to be nothing left allowing the black to come out. The best, like, I think, take on Sinestro's plan is he's turning the Green Lantern Corps into how he ran Korrigar, which yes. was just straight-up militant. And that was his own brand of cosmic justice with throwing caution to the wind as far as, well, as far as emotion goes, you know what I mean? So... When you have something like the Alpha Lanterns that are kind of like their own mercenary group and internal affairs, that just raises the stakes of, look how far the Guardians are going to fall. And I will say that after 43 issues plus Blackest Night plus Rebirth, when we hit Blackest Night for real, if the Guardians don't take a hit like in the story, I would be severely disappointed because, man, they're just like the worst. <laughs> they're just the... They're, they're like... Even more so than Guy Gardner, like the biggest jerks of all time in comics, I'd have to say. Right. That's like one of the plot flaws almost to me is that when Scar, you know, as we go further on in the story, uh, the one guardian, I guess her name is Scar, like keeps plotting all this stuff and doing all this stuff and none of the other guardians even like suspect her, you know, or even notice what is going on. You know what I mean? And they're supposed Mm -hmm. to be such highly advanced minds. You think, you know, that one of them would figure it out. Hey, uh, 
something's a little fishy over there with that one, you know? Yeah, they, they addressed that, too. They're like, uh, they, they were talking about, like, you know, where were you, Sister Guardian? Were you, you know, still recovering from your wounds from the Anti-Monitor? And uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, I was, you know, uh, I, I was, you know, recovering and I was stuff. recovering. Like, I have a case of the vapors, and I'm just so dizzy. I think crazier than that, Jim, is the fact that they have the Book of the Black, basically the Book of Oa slash the Book of Parallax, in Oa, uh, in in like the under basements and stuff like that, and that's that's where she's really operating out of, right. you know. Let alone you know traversing the galaxy and stuff. But at the same token, you know that, that's always been an out for for the um for the guardians because you know if anybody goes you know planet hopping, it's when Gantt was back in the Green Lantern Corps, he'd jump around like, well, don't tell anybody I'm here. But so I mean, I guess escaping or whatever, you know, that's a little feasible. But like they have really set the guardians up to be. I, I just want to see their reaction, uh, you know, whenever the, their curtain goes up and if they figure out that it was really their fault. And, you know, what? in addition to the existing how many laws we have now, what kind of, you know, confrontation they and how are going to ultimately have down the road. As I'm looking through here, we have a couple great scenes. We talked about um, the obvious choice. Well, first of all, Laria... She comes across uh, Amon Sur and basically kills him in cold blood and releases his ring, which then seeks out a new, a new hand and it finds Scarecrow back on Earth. Of course, our lanterns are waiting for it there. But again, that was a great way to, uh, to rule out the obvious choice. Everyone's like, oh, Scarecrow needs a, a yellow ring. Well, here you go. He can have it. He, we'll give it to him, but it's not going to make it to him. Uh, we've see, also seen the controllers. Um, appear in this arc and talking about how they need to fi- need to find the orange light. It's our first uh, hint of uh, of the orange light, which we won't see until much later. Do they look a lot like the Watchers to you? Yeah, definitely. They look like tall guardians, which look like little Watchers, <laughs> right? Because you know they and the Zamorans and the Guardians, you know, they're all they're all uh, originally from Maltus, you know, with Krona and all right. that stuff. It's just that after billions of years, they've evolved in such a way that, yeah, it looks like a Watu the Watcher. You know, they're just, uh, you know, they've got like the whole uh, dead man, crazy high collar Doctor Strange thing going on, right. too. <laughs> and lastly, um, I misspoke before and said Larry becomes a uh, an Alpha Lantern. She's not. She actually, by the end of this arc, receives her red ring and becomes the first uh, Red Lantern that we see. Yeah, recruited, yeah. The first recruit, yeah. Not the first Red Lantern, but the first one we see. So there's uh, quite a bit going on in this arc to set up what's to come. The War of Light is definitely uh, beginning. I wouldn't say the first shots have been fired yet, but it's, it's coming. And the second new law of Oa was, uh, was not so much the creation of the Alpha Lanterns themselves. The first law, of course, is Lethal Force enacted against members of the Sinestro Corps. Now Lethal Force has been enacted. It's been enabled uh, against all enemies of the Green Lantern Corps. So... Anybody who crosses their path can get uh, struck down at a moment's notice. Yeah, and you know the the Alpha Lanterns work just like the Manhunters. You know they were of course like cybernetically enhanced and then infused a battery inside their mm-hmm. uh, inside the chest cavity of the Alpha Lanterns. And you know this uh, appropriately enough comes from Grant Morrison, who uh, along with Jeff uh, came up with the idea for Alpha Lanterns. And Kraken was the most uh, was featured most prominently in a, the Final Crisis saga when Granny Goodness took over the body of the Alpha Lantern. So even, you know, the whole... And, of course, every character in DC is, you know, the all-powerful one of the universe, but um, the Alpha Lanterns have already been corrupted. And especially with the Rage of the Red Lantern tying into Final Crisis, 
you know, the, the precedent's there that already that the Guardian's secret uh, backyard lab experiment is already borderline a failure. Right. Not to get too far into Final Crisis, but wasn't uh, Boudicca the uh, reincarnation of Granny Goodness in Final Crisis? Kraken. Kraken was. Oh, okay. No, Boudicca's going to have her own issues uh, back in Green Lantern Corps where most of the Alpha Lanterns are going to... Uh, be seen at least in the next few issues because the next the next seven issues is an arc that probably had the most mixed reaction i would say of anybody it was this of course the secret origin it basically retold uh hal's origins from uh when he first got the ring straight through but added quite a bit to it specifically all these different seeds needed to kind of lead up to to blackest night to the story that jeff wanted to tell so issues. I absolutely love this arc. Oh. I thought it was I thought it was excellent. I, I don't have any complaints, you know, at all. I agree. Yeah, this I, was my favorite in the, in the entire of what we read here. Yeah, I I liked it a lot too, and I I was a little skeptical when it you know when it was announced or when it came out. You know, it felt like they were building so much momentum in in the current stories that they were doing. Like it seemed a little odd to go back and do the origin at this point. But then, like you guys said, when you realize what he's doing is filling in the gaps, getting ready for the Red Lantern stuff. You know, it makes a lot more sense then. It's interesting that Jeff did that because, like we had talked about on the Sinestro and the Rebirth podcast episodes that he's basically setting the story up so that no one can do what he does best to this story, which would be explain it away. So he's already gone back to the past and mined those tunnels of the narrative Mm -hmm. to, to give it a backstory. So it's like he almost did his signature move on himself preemptively before the story of Blackest Night started. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. He's filling in the gaps. I was just going to say, it's kind of like George Lucas, like not wanting anybody to get too close to continuity so, so he can do what he needs to do. John's kind of filled in his own gaps so that nobody can change anything or he has it set up exactly how he wants it. I was just going to say, Ken put it really well in the last episode that we, uh, or I'm sorry, in the first of our Green Lantern episodes when we were talking about Rebirth, it, it was, ret- I mean, people complained about retcon a lot, retroactive continuity, but this to me was really retcon done right. I mean, it really goes in and it doesn't really change anything fundamentally, but it fills in a lot of gaps. It makes a lot of good storylines. It plants the seeds for a lot of good storylines that pop up later. And uh, it was my favorite part of of what we're talking about tonight so far. You know, I had a lot of people talking about this. It's like, like, oh, I already know Hal's story. And you guys have all mentioned this. It's like, fine, read Secret Origin, but don't focus on the stuff you already know. There is so much in these seven issues that that is new material. It's like, but that wasn't there before. I'm like, no, it wasn't there before. But it's, but it wasn't. You just didn't see it before. Everything you know before still happened. This is. And there's nothing that no, there's nothing contrary to what happened before. No, there's not, nothing that says you know. Nope, that was you know this part of canon is wrong. In in the 80s, there was a lot of uh, taking the iconic superheroes like Superman and Batman and stripping away all their continuity and starting them over. Batman Year One, uh, John Burns Man of right. Steel. Nowadays, we see Robinson, Johns, all these uh, great writers, Bendis, even going back to the continuity and mining that for good storytelling and good you know good story arcs. And this is a prime example of that. And they're going to be. Doing this with Superman too, I believe, coming up. Uh, John's Secret and Frank, Origins coming right? at the end of this year, end of this year. Superman's Secret Origin, exactly. I mean, we've got, of course, Hal's relationship with Carol Ferris. We've got Sinestro. 
we have Hector Hammond from normal Joe Human to Big Head Telepath. We've got that in there. How do you pronounce our Red Lantern? Atrocitus. Atrocitus. Thank you. You know, he of course is in there, and we find out one one of the big questions that no one thought to ask was if a Green Lantern can fly through space with his ring. Why did Abensor need a ship to begin with? That that's explained to then then crash on Earth, uh, and of course probably the biggest addition is is William Hand, um, and and his backstory and how he comes to be, who is our major well, player for Blackest Night. Yeah, Super yeah, Origins the- definitely the New Year one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole you know they even show him you know when he first joined the Air Force and kind of to the against his parents or his mother's wishes gets in a fight with John Stewart. They show the Marine versus the the air jockey, I thought that was cool. And then a lot of it, to me, which I thought was interesting, was the, the Hal-specific stuff. You know, his, you know, talking about his family and, you know, his relationship with his brothers and his mother and how they felt it, you know, it affected them when he ran off to join the Air Force the day he turned 18 and, you know, how his younger brother, Carol, worshipped him. And, I, you know, all that stuff was just, I'm, I'm no Green Lantern connoisseur by any stretch over the last, you know, since, you know, since his, he's been introduced into the Silver Age, but, you know, I didn't, you know, I don't know that any of that stuff has really been gone into with any, with that kind of a detail. So I just, I thought, I just ate all that stuff up. The other thing I thought was cool is when Hal first gets the ring and he gets transported off to Oa, he doesn't have the lantern symbol on his, on his uniform. It's just the big white spot there. So it's basically, you know, that's how you, you tell you're a rookie or, you know, you're, you're in training until you kind of prove yourself, you know, even your costume reflects it. Throughout the Secret Origin arc, I have been harping on this forever. Hector Hammond is wearing orange throughout the entire arc, and Carol is wearing violet throughout the majority of the arc as I'm flipping through these pages. Right. And uh, Hector Hammond's origin is slightly modified because the rocket ship that Avan Sir landed in was powered by a meteor, and there's a, a, a closer and a more, a more direct tie with Hal's origin and Alvin Sur's demise to Hector Hammond. And we haven't seen Hector since, uh, I want to say, issue six or seven of the series, although he's referenced in Blackest Night Zero. And for the longest time, before Larfleas was revealed as Agent Orange, the, the smart money was that Hector Hammond was the Orange Lantern. Now, there's a couple things we'll get into with the Agent Orange arc and stuff. But um, I, I still think that it's a safe bet that at some point Hector Hammond and Larfleys may uh, may come to blows. But that, that irradiation that, that Hector Hammond gets is really just fuel for the fire for, you know, the first couple um, confrontations. And likewise, his relationship with Carol is probably the most coveted one that we see in this book, aside from Larfleys and his orange rings. I guess to, to, get, to make another point real quick... Like I'm looking at all my Green Lantern hardcovers right now on on the bookshelf. I can literally take Secret Origin, take it from the end, and put it right in front of Rebirth as a modified reading order, and the the whole Green Lantern Jeff John saga would still read completely clean, right? With with no bumps or anything in it. Like I can literally move it in the book in its bookshelf in the bookshelf and. Everything story-wise would be okay, which is just kind of a neat thing to do if you want to have all the information up front first. And, I, and uh, our friend Dan Kurtz, Kurtzke from Lanterncast, uh, you know, suggested that when uh, to get ready for Blackest Night to read everything over again. I will not downplay Mr. Van Skyver's ability, but I must say that I 
think Ivan Rice probably is my favorite of the stretch. Is that blasphemy? No. No. It's not. It is not. I think I think the fact that he's he's able to give the I mean again, not to take away from Ethan Ben Skyver by any stretch, but to give this quality um a pretty fair attention to detail and to bang out, you know, this book monthly, I think is a is a big credit to his his talent. And, and it all looks good. I mean I, I the art is has definitely been solid. He draws a very healthy looking Carol Ferris, doesn't he? He, gra- yeah. he draws great aliens too. <laughs> I mean, he draws very alien-looking aliens. I mean, there's nothing you know he doesn't I mean? draw really well. I'm looking at some of these pages with uh, with Hector Hammond after he gets uh, he first gets exposed to whatever and gets all you know becomes a telepath with the the veins in his forehead, but he doesn't have the big head yet. You know, just this he's got this crazed look on his face. He's drooling like because he's he, he's more of a vegetable, but he's fully fully capable mentally. Um, he just has this, you know, thousand yard stare with the orange eyes, and you know, you almost see, you see what he's seeing through these, these constructs, if you will. But it's only, I guess, only in his, in his mind. But again, as you said, they're colored orange. So I'm still mm-hmm. expecting to see him play out in some way in this thing. I'm still not convinced he's not part of, uh, of the orange. You know, especially in uh, early in, uh, in the series Green Lantern when he was he was he was talking talking with Hal telepathically and he was and Hal gave him a little piece of his uh, of his memories and he just wanted more he's like no I must have more I want more of this of this feeling you know it's just it's just too much there for him not to be involved with with the with Davros in some way I thought the, the whole entire- sequence um, I think you were just talking about it Ken where uh, I haven't read it in a while but when Hector wants to be like in Hal's mind and feel his memories I guess. I thought that was like super creepy. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just uh, skipping ahead here, and there's a scene where uh, I guess Hal and Sinestro are on Earth together, fighting uh, Atrocitus. At- Atrocitus. 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 Think, of, think of like the word atrocity. 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 Yeah. Okay. Atrocitus. Um, you know, they're they're both in the city, so of course Sinestro's in his uh, Korgarian jester's outfit, and Hal's just in his flight suit, and. He reaches into this pocket, uh, pocket universe or pocket dimension to get his his battery. Sinestro does, and Hal's just like, I I keep mine in my locker. It's like you've re- <laughs> you've redefined the word careless for me, Jordan. Oh, so I taught you something. <laughs> yes, you know, just just I mean, you can see this 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 friendship, if you will, starting between these two, which of course you know we all know is going to go sh- uh, go sour later on. Um, the other thing is, if you remember in Rebirth, uh, William Hand Black Hand had his little. Uh, Green Lantern detector. Well, we find that was something that Trotikus had, you know, and to, to detect, to absorb Green Lantern energy, which is how they got their rings uh, discharged to begin with. And it's pronounced asparagus. Asparagus. Thank you. <laughs> I know I'm terrible with names. I I concede that. Atrocitus now with chlorophenamine. Uh, thank you. Yeah, he's Atrocitus. got the, uh, the the cosmic di- divining rod. Right. That, uh, um, as we found out in number forty three, uh, seeks out. Uh, uh, to, to extinguish the green light, uh, the willpower. Because, I mean, you can more or less equate willpower with, with life at this point. Yes. So, go, so goes the way of Blackest Night, especially 43. So this implement of destruction here that Atrocitus puts together is a classic, I- equally iconic uh, weapon, just like Captain Cold's uh, pink gun, you know, or Sinestro's yellow ring that Black Hand used in the in the latter part of the silver and into the bronze age after Hal and Sinestro capture him you know and they rescue William Hand from this whole thing 
he finds the device and kind of hides it. And then as soon as Hal approaches him, he runs away and just books out of there. At the time, I'm reading, I never thought anything of it. Let's fast forward two years or until the end of this episode when we read Green Lantern 43. We get the other side of this and we find out why he's, he's, he's getting out of there as fast as he can. And it, it's just very interesting to me. Again, one of the pieces of the puzzle that's going to be put together. So Abin Sur kind of uh, relates the message that he's found out the secrets of life. And it's implied here that Abin Sur knows about the emotional spectrum in a message uh, that's locked in Hal's ring. Uh, at this point, Sinestro unlocks it, and Abensur relates the fact that um, while the Manhunters were ripping and roaring, uh, raping and pillaging around the cosmos, that uh, perhaps the most egregious of acts from the Guardians was that uh, Sector was the, was the massacre of uh, Sector 666. Now, if I'm correct, Blackest Night number one has... The Black Lanterns, also in Sector Six Six Six. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeah. If you look at the preview page, pages for Black Knight, so it looks like that. Uh, I think it's and, I, and, and here's me pronouncing this one. It's like Yesamalt, where the five inversions live. Ken, you know what right. I mean? Like, That's from the. Uh, isn't that from the Alan Moore story? Uh, from, tigers. From Tigers, is that the Red Lanterns and the Black Lanterns are in the same space sector. And, I, and I'm wondering if the the Black Lanterns aren't, you know, helped in part by the Red Lanterns as the blue is to the green. But the, the Manhunters have totally massacred Quell's folk and Atrocitus's folk in um, Sector 666. The, the numerology is not lost on me uh, for that naming purpose. Right. And, you know, Adam Sir relates, you know, his reluctance against, you know, this decision from the Guardians, but also asks Sinestro and Hal to, to finish the job that he started. And Abinsur remains buried in the desert here until, you know, many, many issues later, right before Sinestro Corps, when Hal and Amonsor uh, take him back to uh, his home planet. I like the end of this arc when um, Hal and Sinestro are kind of like on trial for leaving their sectors, I guess, and working together. And the Guardians are kind of questioning Hal, like, you know, Green Lanterns never, you know, they always work alone. And he's like, why? <laughs> and they kind of pause and like look at each other. And then they come up with another explanation. And he just keeps, he's questioning them why? like constantly. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, just because it's always been that way doesn't mean that that's the right way for it to be. Like that type of conversation. And then he calls them out. He's like, I think you're, I think you're afraid. And boy, does that get, does that uh, send them off? Right. Yeah. And here he says, uh, one of them is taking a name and uh, they're all, uh, challenge that no one's no one's owned up to taking a name and uh, even ganthet's like you know we take no names one of you has <laughs> and all all of them which one now what's throwing me off here and my only continuity question of this retcon that we're talking about is this is the early days this is when house was recruited but meanwhile we have our you know i don't know how many guardians here and there's some female guardians here which at this point th- there shouldn't be we don't get female guardians until after parallax and after kyle uh, does whatever he does to, to save to save the guardians. There should just be a whole bunch of wrinkly old blue men at this. Point. Yeah, I, when 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 do the guardians spring forth? And also, Ken, do you know how Ganthet? I'm not trying to put you on the spot here because I don't know myself. How does Ganthet like recreate the guardians and repopulate them? Does anybody know? Uh, it's 
Is this in the Ion book? Or? Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's in the Ion book when it happens. I th- when, it's not cool. when, same, is it, when is it Ka- the same way Smurfs reproduce? Yeah, when <laughs> Kyle are they, three, are they three apples high? I wasn't reading Green Lantern in the nineties. I don't know all of Kyle's what he did, but he did something when I, either he relit the battery or he did something with the with his power because he had all the power in his ring, everything. When he relit the battery, he still he still had Ganthet, but the, the other Guardians were reformed, reconstituted, created, but they were infants. And at some point, I thought it was after or around the time of Rebirth, At some, I think it was when Parallax was defeated in Rebirth, their aging was accelerated or they were brought to fruition by, by Ganthet, but they were already there in an infant form. Uh, this is my very general understanding of what happened. I don't have the details for it. I actually asked the question on one of the forms, and this is as much as I can remember right now. I'm sure someone out there will post um, the full story and tell me where I'm completely off or, or wrong. But it's all, you know, it was all related to Kyle. I'm looking at all the Guardians around there, and I can't see any that particularly look female to me. Um, the bald, bald ones. The bald ones, yeah. Really? Yeah, like I'm looking at this page where they're all saying which one, and you know we tr- we trust that it that is acceptable Sinestro, the greatest of the Green Lanterns. Uh, that's a bald one. That's, that's a bald one, and she's got a little curve to her um, Green Lantern symbol. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, until then, they, they were all, all, all always had, um, you know, they were hair, that hair, they were men. I don't know how many there were. Uh, I think also it was, I think it was in one of Scar's stories later on, she says something like, you know, I've was here when the universe was formed or something going, yeah. I'm like, no, you're here for about, I don't know what, three, four years maybe? You weren't here that long? Well, I don't know. Like, at this point, I I mean, like, I guess there has to be some kind of, like, shred of Guardian evidence or else, because of Ganthet's primary, you know what I mean? I guess the point of the whole Guardian stuff is, Jeff, the way it looks to me, is that they're setting this up that this is the biggest cosmic flop ever in the old guardians from the Manhunters up to all the new laws of, and then destroying parts of the book of Oa need to be the ones that are that active, like negative force in the story. Maybe that kind of makes sense to me at least. Right. Honestly, that does seem to be one of the few continuity hiccups. Yeah. I, I'm, 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 I'm going to give it a pass. I'm just, you yeah. know, just, ju- that's the one thing that jumped out at me that, you know, I think it's just. I think it was just a case where it's easier to to just say, okay, this this is the way it is. Just deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to stress, but like it's worth talking about too because, I mean, here you have you know a good chunk of the supporting cast. It's just a group, you know. No, no, none of them have names except Ganthet, Saeed, and then Scar. Right. So I mean, it is worth kind of delving into. Yeah. Overall, I mean, Sigurd's and you know pretty awesome, and then it, it all goes back to Carol. You see Hector Hammond kind of evolving, and then it goes back to Hal's family, too, just like Rebirth. And taking a look at the first few uh, preview pages of uh, Blackest Night, um, likewise, it all goes back to Hal's family, too, you know, and his brothers mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. his, his, and his nephews. There's a lot, of, a lot of time spent on that that we completely bre- uh, breezed over, but it's definitely important. Anybody else have anything they want to bring up about uh, Secret Origin before we move on? The, the plan was, when Jeff was doing JSA, was to also do a JSA Secret Origin but he he had he has more or less said that that might be a story that you know he can come back to later. Right. You know it's time to let uh, Willingham and Sturge just uh, shine for a little bit on um, on JSA. Cool. But that that was one of the original plans was to do a similar one for JSA. All right. With that, we move into the, I guess you can say the War of Light really kicks off now. We're going to move into the Rage of the Red Lanterns. This is our first 
our first fully formed look at another core beyond the Sinestro Core and the Green Lantern Core. This started with the Final Crisis one-shot tie-in, Ra- Final Crisis Rage of the Red Lanterns, and then continued in Green Lanterns 36, 37, and 38. A lot of red vomit, uh, blood vomit going on here. Point where that's how the ring is formed, I guess, is from his own vomit. Pretty striking, you know, the visuals with all the reds and blacks. Yeah, I, you know, definitely that, that very, it's a very strong uh, color palette, like you said, with the reds and blacks, but it's very deep into what's going on. I mean, it's the blood is very tense, and you can clearly see that's where their power is coming from, and it's, it's a lot more than that. Um, now, this is also building up on some things that happen in Green Lantern Corps that we have not, we have not touched on yet. We're going to find um, Ash, the Green Lantern Space Archer 650. Scar had sent him off to look for the corpse of the Anti-Monitor, and we find he's found it. Um, she sent him off in one issue of Green Lantern Corps, which, like I said, we haven't touched on yet. Hal is getting ready to transport Sinestro back to Korgoff to have his execution carried out, um, but not before the Red Lanterns intercept him, including Kitty Cat Red Lantern. <laughs> Dick uh, Star. Yeah, not, and uh, we, we we're going to also going to meet the Blue Lantern Corps, uh, which we haven't seen them since we saw Ganthet and Sayyid do their thing. We're gonna, we, we early on are reminded of Hal's love issues back on Earth between Carol and Cowgirl, and we've already seen the Star, Star Sapphires touch both of them, and they're going to be coming in into play by the end of this um, as Carol becomes a, uh, a Star Sapphire Lantern. Uh, Violet Lantern, are calling it, or Star Sapphires? Did we already... Oh, again, this is another one that happened in Green Lantern Corps, where we find... Uh, Fatality was turned into a Star Sapphire from being a, a, a red lan- uh, a yellow Lantern, it's a Core member. You know, but she's in the going to be appearance in this as well. So, and of course, scars to continue to write into the Book of the Black. So, I just kind of breeze through a lot of the high points here. Anybody else want to jump in with uh, any of their observations? Isn't this the part where Scar sets up uh, the ambush of the Green Lanterns as they transfer Sinestro uh, to Korrigar, and the Yellow Lanterns come in and try to effect an escape, but the Red Lanterns come in and pretty much slaughter everyone? That's exactly what happens at the first issue. Exactly. Okay. This is also the beginning of, of where my theory takes hold about the idea of a White Lantern. I mean, we've had, throughout this arc, Hal gets a, uh, he already has a green ring, he's already had a yellow ring. He is going to be saved by the Blue Lantern that show up and, and supercharged his green ring. He is forced upon, he's forced to wear a red ring, and the only way to get, get, get it off and to save him from its effects is he's forced to wear a blue ring, which he can't get off until he... Uh, can identify what his greatest hope is. So green, yellow, red, and now blue. So four of the seven rings he's now wearing at, by the end of this arc. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that there's going to be a White Lantern, and there's people still questioning, well, who's going to be the White Lantern? And I'm like, I'm convinced how, if he's not the only one, he's going to be one of them, because I mean, he's already touched, at this point, four. He's going to touch at least one more before we even get towards Blackest Night. Um, yeah, and so Sinestra's had yellow and green. Right. I think, I don't and you know some of the some of the characters like Lara has green red and then she's dead now so presumably she'll be black you know right and, and I, I think, think I don't you don't really want the black one though you know well no I think it's going to be again I, I'm I'm convinced um, back when Sister Core first happened it's been out there I know Murder on CGS brought it up you know all the colors combined to make white white versus black I mean I, I'm convinced that's where it's going to come it's going to come down to I've said in our last episode that. You know, you have all these extreme emotions with the green in the center as the balance. You have a Green Lantern, powerful Green Lantern, 
you know, Sinestro, Sinestro and Hal Jordan. I, 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 it could very easily be both of them. They are going to be able to control all the cores, you know, the powers of all the core, you know, the full emotional spectrum, channel it through their rings, and, like I said, become a, uh, most likely a White Lantern. And, and, and that's going to be the ultimate way to defeat Black. Can I just ask a real quick question okay. to the lanternologist in the group? Uh, red is rage, right? Yes. Orange is greed. Yes. Uh, yellow is fear. Mm-hmm. Green is will. Yes, willpower. Blue is hope. Yes. Violet is love. Yes. What is indigo? Compassion. Compassion. Because Adam has, has pointed out, we don't really know what that means, and I think it's been on record that it's not what you think it is. Okay. The other question I had was, if blue is hope, why didn't they offer a blue ring to uh, Superman? Well, we haven't well, seen like Black Knight like Superman the most, tie-in. Well, I'm just saying he's the biggest symbol of hope in right. the DCU, well, and mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they offered a yellow ring to Batman and also to Scarecrow. I would just think that the first well, candidate for a blue ring would be Supes. The core, well, the, this core, go ahead, Adam. You you think it, you have a handle on it? Well, the way the blue recruit, it, okay, blue 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 recruits them, and we'll jump into the next one here too, Ken. Is that um, basically? Uh, Ganthet goes out and finds Saint Walker to be the Blue Lantern, and like they say, okay, here's your entire life, the saints of the universe, the Blue Lanterns, right? Like religious type figures, you know, like him, uh, brother him, um, a bunch of the guys, right? So you spend like how many days on Odinum, where the Blue Lantern Corps centered on, and then you basically it's like the priesthood, like you you get a calling. So like once. Green Lantern of Sector 1's recruited. One goes out and recruits two. And this is like, I think they had even said like days or like a week-long process just to get, so you understand the full scope of everything. You don't just get a ring, boom, you're off to Oa. So like, they have, uh, Ken, what is it, like four or five Blue Lanterns recruited yet? Yeah, something like so that. Like, they have like five Blue Lanterns right now. And Earth is, is Sector, of what is it, 14, 18? Yeah. Like, it's going to take a while for that to happen. However, I would only imagine that when Blackest Night hits, the, the uh, recruitment drive is going to probably be sped up a little bit. And, I, and, and, with, and looking to the solicits as far out as December for Blackest Night, um, without saying yes or no to the Superman point you had, Jim, I will tell you that a major DC character does get a blue ring. Right. In the midst of Blackest Night. That's not a yes or no for Superman, but yeah, there are going to be some color changes during Blackest Night. And one that I think is, is really cool, and I, I didn't mean to look for spoilers, but I, I did stumble across it once. Just they to, had the scans in. Just to back out, um, I was mistaken. Fatality, she was, uh, she, her conversion is, is shown up and it's shown in these issues. In issue 36 of Green Lantern, you do see her conversion from a, uh, a, a Sinestro Corps member to a Star Sapphire. And she's basically encased in a crystal, more or less reprogrammed until she emerges a full, a full star, spire, star Sapphire and is now going to search for, for Jon Stewart. And along the lines of uh, figuring out what all the colors, the emotions and everything, black is just death, right? There's no black, emotion tied to it? It's death. It's the absence of emotion. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. Which... which Again, every time I see the uh, hear the Guardians say, you know, they you know, they need to purge emotion, they're feeding into the black. They don't need to purge it; they need to channel it. You know, I've said control it, less control it, more channel it. So, and we talked last time. Like, I don't see how rage can be can be useful. Well, by itself, no. But if you can 
you know, take the, 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 the rage you feel towards something and put it towards something pr- productive. You know, fear is important to, to know. Uh, it's important to have that fear, to know your limits and to also know how far you can go past it. It's the willpower that gets you past it. It's the hope that can fuel your will, but hope by itself doesn't do much of anything without the will to use it. You know, this is all kind of being laid out, and it's going to be the combination of all six and the will to, to channel this that's going to ultimately defeat the black. Yeah, some of, some of the little rules here, I'm not going to say get tricky. I mean, basically, you know, Sinestro's hung up, how how and the Blue Lanterns come in for a save, and Atrocitus uh, he reveals the secret of, of the Blue Lanterns that the the Blue Lanterns, Saint Walker and Warath, they only are they only enhance the Green Ring. They're, it's capable of flight and, and all this other stuff, you know. Yeah, but, basic stuff like that, exactly. You know, but um, but they they're basically the designated hitters. They're the ones that can juice up the Green Rings to to however many uh, you know per per sense above a hundred. And then the red rings are probably the most caustic of all of them because they don't shoot out constructs or projections. You know, there's too much rage. It's like disorganized. And just just imagine someone you know extremely passionate, but on the, on the angered side of things, that their heart is forever linked to the ring at this point. And I mean, they just spew out you know this red acidic kind of pseudo construct. So. There aren't really I, – I, Ken, I wouldn't say that there are too many rules for the green and the yellow rings. Does that sound pretty fair? Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Not like but, that. But like the the blue and the red and then later on into the orange, you know, uh, get a little tricky with, okay, how does blue work on yellow? How does yellow work on blue, et cetera, you know? Well, I mean, yellow and blue do make green, so. <laughs> In all seriousness, no, there, I mean, the, the, we've seen how – how difficult it is to wield the power of a Green Lantern. We remember when uh, when Ollie tried to use it in Rebirth, and asked Kyle, "Is it that hard every time?" You know, you need to have a certain strength of will to be able to control the Green, just like you need to have, you know, a certain ability or certain not affinity, but a certain understanding of fear to be able to wield um, a Yellow Ring. We saw we saw that Hal could not effectively use a Yellow Ring. Which goes back to our questions about Guy Gardner, because of course we know he had Sinestro's ring for yellow ring for some time, and he was able to use it effectively. So I mean that is going to come back and bite them in the butt. Johns has paid too much attention and paid too much respect to what's come before him to not to not use that. And we even talked about that, you know, about seeing what is going to happen with Guy with the whole Michigan uh, logo on his lantern and you know all that going on. So none of, nothing is by accident. So Sinestro doesn't get executed. His core comes in for the save, gives him back the ring, and uh, they inform him of what's happening in Green Lantern Corps that Mongols take it over the core. He's like, oh, I know. I got him. I got him right in my sights, you know? And St. Walker takes Hal back to Odinum, and you see the recruiting drive with Worth, and Ganthet explains that you know you need we need to have Sinestro alive. He has a big part to play in the coming uh, schism that's happening. And they tell Hal that, or Saint Walker's interpretation is that Hal needs to leave the Blue Lantern Corps. Of course, this is mistaken. Not as a Blue Lantern, as Ganthet reveals, but just as the Green Lantern. You know, you need you need to rise to the top here. Right. Um. You know, and you know, criticized for its inclusion in Final Crisis, Rage of the Red Lantern's one shot. I still make the case that, you know, regardless of its relevancy to Final Crisis, this did establish, number one, the timeline, which people will complain about. You know, it says, you know, this takes place before 
final crisis number, blah, 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 you know. So it establishes the timeline, and it lets everyone know where the Alpha Lanterns and the Guardians and everything else are going on during Final Crisis, because, well, you know, aside from Hal and John and Kraken, the Green Lantern Corps wasn't really involved. They had to hide the power battery. What was it? Uh, it was like Chrono level alert in Final Crisis. Chrono was, was, was coming back, you know. It just let everybody know where everybody else was, because, you know, the Guardians... You know, we're obviously involved in the first and the original crisis. So right. this, you know, it, you know, it's a it's a three dollar book. Don't get you know crazy <laughs> with continuity whatnots. So it was cool. Some last plot points that kind of got put out here um, with these issues. We learn not who, but we learn that Sinestro has a daughter. Although as soon as I read that, it seemed pretty obvious. We'll find out in Green Lantern Corps. I believe that that of course not you know Sorak not two is. Sinestro's daughter, which we've mentioned on uh, our last show. We've come back to the controllers who have uh, who found the Vega system. They found the orange light, and uh, Larflees has reached out to the Guardians. Like you know, you you promised, you promised it would be mine. And Scar is like, oh yes, Larflees, cry out, join the others. More Blue Lanterns are recruiting some more. Carol Ferris is recruited and accepts a Violet Ring, so she is now a full member of the Star Sapphires. Yeah, that was that. I will say that that was the one curveball I didn't see coming, with with Carol taking the Violet Ring, because I mean her relationship with the Star Sapphires has been uh, freaking traumatizing, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, in I, I don't want to say she does it off panel, but like in the origin and omen, like what do you want to call it? Like flashback, flash forwards, yeah. you know. Like Carol takes the ring, and I would only imagine that that's a direct result of how being with Cowgirl and. Uh, her getting a divorce. Well, you know, every person who we've seen be recruited by the Violet, by the Star Sapphires, has been um, a woman of a broken heart. We saw the the woman who saw her husband killed um, in space. You know, whoever species they were. Of course, Carol, who's you know now now divorced and seen her love go for another woman in Cowgirl. You know, fatalities now. You know, who who has had a broken heart in Sinestro Corps War, and what do they say? There's n- uh, nothing worse than a woman scorned. I think that's kind of what we're going to see out of the Violet Lantern, especially considering the revelations that have come out over the last week or so. With uh, when we, we since we've got a new, uh, we've learned of a new entity who has actually been in been around before. You want to talk about Predator now? Uh, you can. I don't know if they're the same thing, but go it, for it. It it certainly seems like it. I mean, in uh, I guess it was Green Lantern 43, uh, the new one. They talk about, you know, they say like Ion, like Parallax, like Predator. And you see some Zamorans around this Predator, uh, this, this, this being called Predator. Um, I know very little about this, but in older past issues of Green Lantern, Predator was a, an alter ego of Carol Ferris, uh, a male alter ego. Uh, it just and of course she Carol Ferris has been a, a star star sapphire in the past. She is now a full right. full star sapphire. It seems that this predator alter ego is now being retconned into being the the entity of the star sapphires, as in maybe it always has been. So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. And just the the name of predator, you know, very seems very aggressive. Their love and rage are on the extremes of the of the color spectrum of the, of the emotional spectrum. So it's, it stands to reason, and it seems like it's going to be proven out, that the Violet is just as powerful and as dangerous as Rage is, or at least has the potential to be. So I have a feeling we're going to see a, a lot of action coming out of the, the, the Violet Core. The Vi- so, Violet Core. 
So Sinestro, as we get into the Agent Orange arc here, I'll just go ahead and mention it now. Uh, Sinestro is kneeling down at presumably his wife's graveside on Ongara, which would be the home planet of Abin and Amonsur. And uh, he basically says, okay, I'm going to go get my core back that um, Queen Agripo uh, has taken from for the uh, Zamoran Zamorans or whatever. And so it looks as though they're setting up Sinestro to go against the star sapphires for Blackest Night. Because if you think about it, like, it makes sense, though, because Hal has to go against the Black Hand and the Black Lantern specifically. So we take the secondary character of Sinestro, couple him with another secondary character, Carol Ferris, and that's the, you know, width and breadth of Sinestro's part to play in Blackest Night. Which Ganthet, as we heard earlier, insists that it's that, that is important somehow. I mean, I'm not going to say Sinestro is going to be taken off the table. That's ridiculous. But he's not. It's not Hal versus Sinestro. That was last year or two years right. ago. You know what I mean? And I, I just thought that, that that was just an interesting pairing. You know, it's kind of it's kind of uh, makes sense too. If we have Green in the center, and we have on the immediate sides of Green, we have uh, the yellow and the blue. And on the same side as the yellow, we have the red. And on the same side of the blue, we have the violet. We've already had the, vi- the blue up against the red. Now having the yellow go up against the violet seems, just seems to kind of make sense to me from a, a, a symmetry point of view, which would leave the indigo and the orange to go at it. Anything else we want to uh, touch on with uh, With, with the rage? introduction of, of Predator, uh, does that mean Danny Glover will be making an appearance? It, it, it does not, but although it's interesting. Sure. Now that you say that, remember, um, a Predator was a, 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 a Sinestro Corps member in that one splash page. Yeah. And an alien, too. <laughs> and an alien, too. That's right. What about Jesse the Body Ventura? Will he be uh, no. chewing tobacco as no. a sexual Tyrannosaurus? No. No. <laughs> no. He doesn't have time to bleed. All right. Oh, it's too bad. We've got a lot of books to cover. Let's move on. Call Weathers, perhaps. <laughs> You know what? I think this next arc, Agent Orange, <laughs> to wrap up, has probably my favorite of all of these. I, I don't know why. It was just so much fun. Sorry. I, I mean, fun's the wrong word, but it was just, it, I just really liked it, especially these, these, the two book covers that bookend it. Green Lantern 39 and Green Lantern 42. Um, you start with Larflees hugging his lantern with the mine all around it, and then you got the parallel to it. You have Hal doing the same thing. It, it just... Uh, I, I really like this like like this arc. These issues have really shot up. I think I was at my LCS the other day, and forty one was like they were selling it for like ten bucks or something like that. So I don't know if these have just suddenly become a lot more popular, or you know they just weren't ordered enough, and now because of all the hype coming up with Dark, with uh, Blackest Night, they're starting to go for more. But Maybe. it seems like the last several issues of, of GL, at least in my LCS, and they're usually really really good about. It keeping a good five or six months worth of uh, worth of back stock and selling it for cover, but, but GL's not the case. I just uh, I was curious if you guys have seen any kind of speculation going on recently, with, with especially with this arc. I haven't seen any speculation, but I have a, a pretty big scale LCS by me, and, and like you said, they're usually good about having like four or five uh, months back for cover price out on the rack, and they're definitely they definitely have holes. Um, they're not yeah. speculating the ones that they have, but they do seem to be out of, you know, you couldn't go back and get 40 through 43 right now. Yeah. Right. Going through here, we have, uh, going through here, we have Hal's, um, returning to, um, to see Ganthet and Saeed find out that, you know, 
again, one of the lines that kind of gets me going here. The Guardians are attempting to suppress the emotional spectrum, but they should embrace it. They believe the power of the emotional spectrum can be contained, but they are wrong. The war of light has already begun. We must prepare for the coming of the blackest night, the unknown darkness, that threatens to consume all life. I mean, it's you know everything leading into to embracing emotions and 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 bringing it bringing it all together is is the way to uh, is the way to combat this and the way to to uh, free the universe for lack of a better a better phrase you know the guardians are none too happy that Hal's got this blue ring they want it off of him they want to know about it the controllers are having a bad time with the uh with larflees larflees he can send some constructs pretty far away and he, he can, he's got some power behind that of course he's the only orange lantern everything all of his core are just constructs of, out of his own mind I thought that was an interesting concept to take with the orange and so different from the others that he is the only, you know, the only one and that everything, everything is, you know, con- constructed from him is, is an it's interesting a, take. It totally makes sense too. If the orange ring, uh, you know, represents greed that there would only be one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of the birds from uh, finding Nemo. <laughs> mine, mine. Mine, mine, mine. There's, mine, a, mine. <laughs> there's a couple of uh, signatures on the form in that where they took uh, they took that scene, just kind of isolated the birds and put an orange glow around them. Mine, crippled Avenger, I believe. I think you're right. Fourth law has been enacted. The Vega system is no longer off limits. Tally is still trying to find John Stewart. I like how they how they broke up the uh, the four Green Lanterns. You've got Hal and and John Story in Green Lantern, and Kyle and Guy in Green Lantern Corps. Kind of gives them all an equal footing here. Creepy. One creepy thing about Larflees is his constructs are all people or beings he's consumed. Little creepy. One thing, something I wanted to ask too. Didn't doesn't he take away Hal's arm? And how does Hal's arm grow back? Does does he? I know he wants the blue ring. I know he wants the ring off. He wants Hal's blue ring from him. He's just seeing where he's attacking Hal. It looks like it does go after his arm. I don't think he actually gets it. Are we talking about issue forty-one right now? Yeah, I think that's where we're at. That's where I saw that. Maybe it's just the way I saw the yeah, art. I, I, yeah, like, I, that art does. Look, it, it does look like he did, but he he did not. He did not get it. Forty One's also telling the story of how they even got the Vega system and great coloring on these issues as well. Yeah, I mean it's a key kind of a key component to all of these arcs. I guess is color, right? So it should be top notch, and it is. I think by the time Larflees gets the blue ring off Hal and puts it on his finger, it, the first thing you notice is that the rumbling, the hunger has been silenced. My famished stomach is finally full, and he's about to say full. He realizes it's all an illusion anyway, and, it, and the ring disappears from him. It just gives him a taste of it. You know, but I'm wondering, is it, is it really the blue ring satisfying his hunger, or is it just negating the effects of the orange lantern? Just wasn't sure how I wanted to read that, read, how I wanted to interpret that. I love, uh, not only did I love Hal... Uh, Saying you create your own Muppet show, and then in his in his inner monologue, he's like Gonzo. His name was Gonzo. That was driving me crazy. Like this whole time, he's trying to remember what Muppet he looked like. <laughs> but then when uh, Hal brings up his own construct army, you know, uh, Larflees wasn't happy about that. And then when he grabs the orange lantern, here he is. We got, here he is. Hal's got another another color under his belt now. He's now taking the orange lantern. He's he's experiencing the hunger. And the things he's he's desiring, you know, he wants the power. He wants the battery should be mine. It should be, it should be. I need that power. I need my own guardian. I need a hamburger. I need two hamburgers. You know, it all should be mine. He wants everything, and it's only temporary until Larflees takes it away from him again. 
And uh, but look at his power levels: uh, seven thousand eight hundred thirty-nine percent. I mean, he's, he, it's all his. All the power is his. And uh, finally, his uh, his hope wins out when he realizes, "I hope you would just shut up." And he finally is able to release the ring. And the Guardians make another backdoor deal with uh, Larfleet. This time, they're they're giving up the uh, the Blue Lanterns to him. He's like, "Yeah, I want to know where I can get a Blue Ring." And he sends them off after them. Almost this, like, I almost get this, this, this idea, like, you know, the cops are trying to deal with two, two rival gangs, and they're like, all right, go kill each other. Yeah. Anything you want to throw out about, uh, about Larflees? Nah, he's pretty awesome. I mean, it's, it's a very cool character design. I mean, I was, I was disappointed, probably just because I wasn't right about Hector Hammond, but, like, a very cool supporting character. I would, I would say that, like, man, Hal has made out pretty good. Like, I, I understand that, like, at this point, you know, and the Superman books are pretty squared away, and, and Batman certainly seems to be pulling its weight now too that R.I.P.'s over and whatnot. But um Hal has made out like a bandit with his supporting cast over the last couple of years, hasn't he? I mean like I, I, I could not imagine such a, a wealth of and just such a pool to draw from for story ideas and stuff with a group of people and aliens like these. Do you guys worry as big fans of the book like when he's gone, will it blow? <laughs> yeah, like, can it, or can it, not even that if he's gone, like, can they keep it up? You know, like, the focus of DC has been on Green Lantern now for, what, two years? You know, is, there, is, it, just, is it due for a down period where it just can't be the, you know, center of all the attention? Or do they keep rolling with it? I mean, I guess we need to find out what happens at the end of Blackest Night to make that prediction but yeah i think uh after this they might want to lay low a little bit or you might end up with uh serious fatigue you know like the x-men in the 90s or uh you know any you know this event after event after event after a while i mean it's just a little tiring for the reader i think yeah it definitely could i i I read somewhere again it might be on the forum but the theory was that you know jeff john's going on a book is almost like the kiss of death because once he leaves it's never as good as it was um, you know, I guess some people have been experienced that with JSA once they left. Uh, I don't know. I'm not reading that, but well, know. the initiatives haven't been like stellar, but right. You know. No, again, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't. Billy Cam hasn't started yet either, but mm-hmm. you know, Booster Gold has still been a good comic. But I, I know what you're saying. You know, it's like the I, I, what, so I think I read that too. What do they call it? Like the Jeff Johns curse. Like yeah, once he's yeah. gone. But you know what? Though that's unfair because like Rucka is doing amazing things on Action Comics. And Superman with James Robinson and stuff. I mean, like, you could definitely say that about Teen Titans, but, or, and maybe to an extent, The Flash. But yeah. I don't, I don't know about every book. You know, yes. I mean, it, it, are you, are you going to sit down? Are you going to plan things out for 50 issues? Or are you going to make a bunch of, you know, two and three issue arcs of little to no consequence? Now, this doesn't go with the thought that everything has to be, you know, grandiose and, and all, all grandeur, but the the more work he did before all this started, the less work he has to do now. You know, the you know? funny thing is, when uh, Robinson left JSA, they said the same thing about JSA. And then Johns took over and started playing the seeds for his long, long run on JSA. And right. now he's leaving, and they're saying, oh, it's not going to be the same. You know, I, I mean, William's a good writer. I mean, I'm sure he's a good book. Plus, with a cast that's so sprawling like Fables, he can definitely juggle 20 people with JSA. Oh, no question. I, I guess it all just depends on who comes on, you know, like we're saying. 
and are you going to get a lengthy creative team? I think it's, I, I, to me, I think, look at what we've seen as far as, not to get too far off track, because I know we've got we to gotta finish up on Green Lantern Corps, but look at what we've seen books that we're really just raving about or that, that get great critical acclaim. It's books where the writer has, has taken a long run on. You know, it's Brubaker on Cap. It's, it's Bendis and Brubaker, you know, back-to-back runs on Daredevil. You oh, know, yeah. it's, it's Fraction and, and you know, Brubaker on, on Iron Fist. You know, it's books where, you know, they've taken the time to set things up, to let it play out slowly. You know, like it used to be, you know, back, back when, you know, back when we were, you know, kids reading this stuff. Back you know, when Chris Claremont, go ahead and say it, Rose. Back when Chris, yeah, Chris Claremont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was just waiting for Claremont to come into it. <laughs> he wrote 157,000 issues. <laughs> that's, a, that's a discussion for another time. But, but even, you know, take Bendis on Ultimate Spider-Man. You know, same thing. You know, it's, 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 it's when we see guys that, and gals that come in for, you know, a six-issue arc and have their story to tell it's very segmented and very um, specific. And then the next person comes along and they tell their six issues and nothing seems to be building. Um, and, and so I, I think it's just, you know, whenever Johns is, is done with GL because he's off reinvigorating something else, it's just going to really depend, on, like you said, on who, who comes in and how long they stay. And here's the crazy thing. And John, I wanted to ask you about this. And we'll, when we do Thor, we'll probably bring this up again, but like JMS just left Thor. After, I mean, a heck of a, I, I just got the second uh, trade after a, an amazing issue. And it's like, well, the mandate's coming down. We're going to make this an event. Heck no, I'm out here. How do you feel about that? Because Thor was like, that was your jam, you know, a couple months ago. You were loving yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's, it's bad news. <laughs> it's, it's bad news. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'll give it a shot. I mean, I think i you know, we like the characters too much to not give it a shot. I mean, even I'm losing Daredevil too. You know, D- Andy Diggle, who I actually like his stuff, is taking over Daredevil. But I don't want to see Brew Baker leave that title. And I hope I have to hope that I get lucky. Like uh, with Swazinski took over Iron Fist, and he kind of picked up the ball for Fraction and Brew Baker, and it was kind of seamless. But I don't know if I can expect that. I mean, the thing that bothers me the most about Thor, again, this is the last we'll talk, and then we got to get back to Green Lantern, but. The thing that bothers me most about Thor is for the time he was on the book, there should have been 30 issues, and you only end up with yeah. 16 because it was so damn late. Exactly. All right, so let's uh, wrap up Green Lantern there, and let's move into Green Lantern Corps. Now we're going to kind of backpedal to, uh, in terms of publishing, we're back to the right after Sinister Corps War ended. Go along the Green Lantern Corps, starting with the, uh, the Green Lantern Corps epilogue, which is just a, a quick issue. It was one issue, 19. Um, they actually published kind of weird. I mean, the, they did this... Uh, the first part of Ring Quest in 20, then they cut back to uh, uh, a two-issue Alpha Lantern arc before they're returning back to Ring Quest. So we'll, we'll kind of break those up and just deal with them in uh, storylines. The epilogue was just a lot of, uh, just kind of set up the, the, the status quo of the, uh, the Green Lantern Corps at this point. You know, we learned a little bit about, about Mo- Mongol. He gets his ring. Guy is kind of not sure what he wants to do with his life. He wants to uh, rebuild his bar. Trying to re- reunite with, uh, with Ice, but it's not really working out that well. At least not initially. Probably one of my favorite scenes. You got Kilowog having a nice little family dinner on on the surface of Mogo. Yeah. And look at him, uh, the his family. They're they're constructs. It looks like right because they all have a little glow around them. I think they're actually they're being projected there, as I'm sure he is being projected back at home to be with them. I never thought about that way, but yeah, I guess I guess you're right. E- either that, or they have a, an aura around them because of atmosphere purposes, whatever. I don't know. Of course, I don't know why Kilowog wouldn't have it either. It's just a cool scene, though. Yeah. There's just some some good. Uh, 
Guy and John moments in, in this one, too. I thought it was a, a nice issue to just kind of wind things down after the hectic pace that the book had been on since the semester of Cold War special. So just kind of one of those necessary issues, you know, for you to kind of catch your breath, just kind of set things up for, for what's to come. From there, we'll cut over to this uh, story arc called uh, Curse of the Alpha Lantern. This is kind of uh, discussed working with uh, Boudicca and what happened with her after she became an Alpha Lantern. We learn a little bit more about how their MO. We learn more about, you know, the whole, uh, you know, no lantern escapes the alpha lanterns, you know, to kind of mimic the no man escapes the manhunters. Learn a lot bit about Boudicca's backstory, where she came from, and find out that uh, is her actual, yeah, it's her sister become, is the new, the new Green Lantern for her sector and someone she didn't detect. We learn a little bit more about the Parallax, when Parallax took her hand. Did she go through quite a transformation to become an alpha lantern, if I'm not mistaken, or... Um, well, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a physical traumatic process to become an Alpha Lantern, which they went yeah. over. Um, they cover that in the Alpha Lantern's arc in Green Lantern. But basically, it looks like Boudicca becomes, uh, I guess, her second ring. It looks like by taking her sisters. Well, that's like the there was the isn't Boudicca like a historical personality too, like a woman warrior kind of Joan of Arc figure? Yeah, isn't that like I don't want to say Norse? Isn't that like Irish or Scottish history or something that there was a real Boudicca? Different spelling, but. I mean, it's kind of like, how can I put this? Like space Amazons, like as Diana is to Earth, she kind of is to the galaxy here. Maybe not on such a scale, but that's kind of her ammo. I, I don't know enough about her history to, to know that. Last end, at the end here, we find, uh, you know, Larry was taken by the Red Ring, and now that's, that's been put out to the, uh, to, the, to the core. Of course, that's what happened in, uh, in Green Lantern we discussed earlier. Basically, that whole issue, you know, to me was a little bit of... Uh, Insight into how the Al- the Alpha Lanterns work, uh, what their MO is. The whole Green Lantern core issues have been hit or miss for me. At least not the the ride that Green Lantern was for the, the last these two years. But this next arc, Ring Quest, was a uh, was definitely a good one. We a little bit more of uh, trying to collect the yellow rings. And they're still oblivious to the idea of other cores on there, and uh, we spent a lot of time with uh, with Mongol. And um, he's already been established as working with the Black Mercy plant, not just because his father did uh, against Superman, but now he used him in Green Lantern before Sinister Corps War against Hal and Ollie. And we also learn a little bit about the Green, the the Black, the Black Mercy plant itself. Find out that it has a, you know, find its origins. And this is going to be covering Ring Quest. This is covering Green Lantern Corps issue twenty, and then twenty three through twenty six. Black Mercy is another Alan Moore creation. Just wanted to mention. Yeah, what was it? first appearance in uh, The Man Who Has Everything or was, did it come before that? No, it was The Man Who Has Everything. I think it's Superman special number one right. uh, with the art, art by Dave Gibbons. My first ex- on update. <laughs> I my, love it. I'd say my first experience with the uh, with Black Mercy was the uh, the Justice League Unlimited episode based on that story which was, uh, very, which was very good. I really enjoyed that one. That was a great adaptation, yeah. This is a great use of it here, too. I mean, it's very ingenious uh, that they're taking all these plot threads that have been around and spinning them new ways. That's one of the things I like best about the whole Green Lantern, uh, you know, Jeff Johns' uh, run. So he's taking what's there and just kind of uh, spinning straw into gold, kind of. Right. And would you say, in general, the core title has been, like, tie-in stuff? Is it, is it adding to the Green Lantern proper story or is it stuff that you will be lost if you don't know it or how how important would you say it's been in terms of like following the main 
story. I would say it's mostly secondary stuff. I think if you just read Green Lantern, you get most of what you need, and Green Lantern Corps builds on it. I don't think, I don't think anything is introduced in Green Lantern Corps. I think it's everything is just built off what came before it in Green Lantern or in previous titles. Would you agree, Adam, or do you have an opinion yeah, on that? A lot of Green Lantern Corps is reactions to, like, how, how does everyone react to this law? How right. does everybody react to, well, actually, the law that you can't love another Lantern. That's Yeah, that came out of this. That, that came out of that one. And, you know, it, it's easy to say it plays second fiddle to Green Lantern, but I, I think it kind of has to in a way. You know, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, it's definitely. Let's not get it wrong here. It's definitely worth the price of admission. Oh no, question is, but absolutely it's, it's, more than more than more so. I, I would say that totally with with Pete on there and with with writing and stuff. I mean, it's it's great. But I mean, I think in a way, just because how everything's set up, and I would I only assume editorially too that you have to play follow the leader somehow with the main title. Yeah, this is. What everybody else is doing. I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about reactionary stuff. It, it's what everyone else is doing. I think Ring Quest could have been cut maybe like one issue or so. That kind of ran a little long. Yeah, I think there's one entire issue that kind of felt like that. I mean, we definitely got some insight, like I said, to the Black Mercy and found it actually is sentient. It is alive. Uh, well, it is alive, but it's, it's aware. It's self-aware. And it actually sent its, sent its seeds out to help people um and that was always its intention was to do that uh but mongol specifically kind of perverted that into uh this this fear inducing plant but uh, it gets it gets some payback by the end almost at least a couple lantern core members die but uh Bist dies you know the, the bug and then right. mother Murphy takes over uh his ring well what's really interesting about that is at the same uh i Whatever core member it was also dies. Mercy is is offered both rings, uh, green and yellow, and makes a choice, but um, chooses chooses green ultimately. So now we have a new member of the core. Yep, and then from that we go to the next arc, which is next. We're gonna have um, Eye of the Beholder, which is uh, two issue arc twenty seven twenty eight, and our first, well, not our first, but our next look into the uh, the world of the dead of the Green Lantern. And uh, we have a character who can uh, can speak to the dead. Always viewed it as a as a gift. Not so sure he thinks of it na- that way now, you know. But he also can do something really creepy and take uh, the cells of or the you know the tissue of a recently dead, and, or in this case, the eyes, and see what uh, what it last saw. In this case, you know, finding the who killed it. Basically, the families of the rookie lanterns are being targeted, and you've got t- uh, these rookies turning their rings in, you know, continually. Because uh, basically they chose this danger, not their families. So ultimately they, they're able to, uh, to trace them and find the, the culprits and kill them. They're all uh, Sinestro Corps members who are doing this. And then he gets sent out, Ash did, to find the anti-monitor corpse. Right. So uh, now separately Scar sent two people out and they're going to eventually meet up with each other. And that's going to put us to um, Sins of the Star Sapphire. So we, uh, we touched on them briefly. In Green Lantern, we saw Carol get the Carol become a star a star sapphire. Uh, but we're going to learn a little bit more about them here. We're going to see them rehabilitate some other some other lanterns. The Guardians are actually going to make a uh, diplomatic diplomatic uh, visit to the Zamerons to uh, find out what they're up to, <laughs> capture Crib, and uh, 
you know, Cri- Crib is going to, uh, they're going to attempt to rehabilitate Crib. Of course, the, the baby snatching uh, Sinister Core member. It, was it, it was in Infinite Crisis or one of the prelude to Infinite Crisis books. We, is that where we first saw Crib? Um, in Gotham, I think, wasn't it? Do you remember that? Uh, her first appearance was Sinister Core Special, number one. Uh, there was a character with the same similarities in, in Infinite Crisis, though. I believe, I want it, was it Supergirl Foo Fodder? We've seen Crib before, and, and it was in a John's book. I don't remember if it was in the proper Infinite Crisis title or if it was in something else. I don't have my books handy to, to check it out, but we definitely, we definitely saw Crib before this. Maybe not, uh, maybe not uh, named, but it was, she was there. The Crib book that they did was a uh, Faces of Evil title? Yeah, it was stuff I'm looking up in my scene here, but I, 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 I'm sure that I've seen her. I'm sure that I've seen her or, this, this type, this, or at least this type of being before. And I'm sure it was a, it was based somewhat around Infinite Crisis, either either one of the the lead lead in titles those from those four books that that came before it, or in the proper title. But I know I've seen this 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 type of being before. Well, let's uh, wrap up the last Green Lantern arc. Here. We had Emerald Eclipse. Mongol escapes from Black Mercy, attacks Daxum. We've already seen how Sodom Yat has rejected his um, his heritage because of the what they did to his. Uh, his friend, their xenophobia, is coming back to haunt them. Aven- Meanwhile, there's riots going on on Oa as the Red Lanterns invade the science cells and use their, their acidic vomit to destroy the science cells and release their prisoners. Scar is doing her own little thing down in the basement until finally... Uh, I don't know if it's just, a, if it's just a, a, like a space station or a fortress or whatever is surrounding Oa is shattered, leaving Oa basically unprotected uh, by the end. But not before Sodom Yat apparently sacrifices himself to release the Ion Entity to turn Daxum's red sun yellow. So now you have an entire planet of supermen, basically, all who can't wait to turn their xenophobia against Mongol and the rest of the Sinestro members who are there. That's such an interesting concept, given you know, especially what they're doing in the Superman books and how you know, there's a hundred thousand Kryptonians running around. Now you basically have a planet of millions potentially billions with the same power um but i guess benefit of the universe or whatever they're they're fairly xenophobic um daxamites and and don't branch out but, i mean they're very powerful but don't be fair don't to be fair i mean uh, a number two pencil can take them out yeah true yeah definitely a different weakness you know it's not like kryptonite still, it's, the whole in, in all seriousness it's not like kryptonite where you know you take the kryptonite kryptonite away and superman gets better no, you take lead away, they're, they're still dead. They're still going to die. True. But they don't really touch on that. But as near as we can tell, when we leave here, Sodom Yad is still believed dead. Now, if you're reading Legion of Three Worlds, he's there. So chances are he's going to be coming back. You know, one thing we didn't touch on through those other arcs was we, uh, we find out that for sure, Sorok Netu is, is Sinestro's uh, daughter. We learn why. She's trying to deal with that still in, in these last arcs. Um, Arisa is yelling, you know, for, for Sodom, try, so, Sodom trying to uh, rally the troops. Meanwhile, all the Daxamites are like, for Daxum. You know, they, they're standing for themselves, you know, and taking it out. The Guardians are returning from their, their mission to, uh, to Agent Orange, to Larflees, finding uh, Oa basically all but destroyed. The Alpha Lanterns want to know what to do with all these, esca- these escaped prisoners they've captured, and they're like, I, we don't have time to deal with them, just kill them. So they're being summarily executed in the basement, to which Guy and uh, and Kyle don't like that one bit. Uh, it's really all coming to a head here. And, yeah, uh, they, they blew away Nero from the epilogue, Sinister Core epilogue issue, which I, was, I wasn't I was surprised that they blew away Nero, but like 
they had Kanjaro in prison, and I was like, oh, if they, I mean, like, that's an old school JLA. Yeah. And I was like, if they take him out, I'm, I might have to say some words on this, but they no, didn't. They didn't. They let him. They let him go. And uh, and meanwhile, I don't get an, an idea of where this is happening. But you see, there's these, you know, asteroids, and I can only imagine that this is where is this this is where the black battery is, or this is just a, some asteroid. But you see the colors around them. This is how. Excuse me. This is how the issue is ending. And you can see the colors of different cores surrounding these, and all of a sudden, boom! These asteroids explode, sending forth, you know, hundreds of black rings with just one thought: flesh. Yeah. I think. Um, I think that's like. Do you remember at the end of Sinestro Core War when you just saw thousands of rings flying around into Earth and stuff? Right. I think that's like the vacuum of space. I don't think it's like the planet. Here's something completely lifeless just floating in in air. Right. And it's just like demolished. Just, I mean, how how big is space? Infinite, you know. Right. And here, the smallest thing, I guess, comparatively, is blown away by all these black rings coming everywhere. So, I guess that that takes us up to the end. I mean, other than the two lanterns, Ash and the other dude find the black lantern in Sector Six Six Six, and those guys get the world uh, comes up from underneath them. So, I mean, like, there's definitely a lot on the docket for Black's Night. I mean, as far as you know, heroes. As far as you know, heroes uh, being Black Lanterns, who we're going to assume at this point are like you know space zombies. That's basically what it is. I mean, in fact, when they first announced this, uh, people were already, already speculating: Are we finally going to get DC zombies? That's kind of where we're at. And yeah. so, we- like the lineup, the lineup's going to be. So far, we have confirmed: Martian Manhunter, Dead Man, uh, Firestorm, Aquaman, Earth Two, Superman, Killer Frost, Firestorm. I'm trying to think. All the Lost Lanterns, like Kihan and Lyra, I would only imagine right. Amon Sor is going to be a Black Lantern. We're, we're hearing speculation of uh, of Jonathan Kent. Yep. Dead, yeah. Dead yeah. Man is just cheating, though. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's go I mean, through. through uh, we'll, we'll touch on the free comic book day zero, and then we'll spend some time with Green Lantern 43 to wrap this up, because this is kind of where the... Uh, Roll call, I guess. It's, it's the roll call, and there's some great pages that are giving us some ideas on on 43, especially uh, the idea of you know people who have come back are also at risk here. We get our usual admonition. I'm uh, my name is Hal Jordan. I'm an officer of the Green Lantern Corps, Space Sector 2814, and um, it's basically Hal and and Barry meeting up at uh, the unmarked grave of Bruce Wayne, who is uh, presumed dead or dead out of uh, R.I.P. Um, just kind of talking and uh, comparing. It was like with Barry, he was died a hero. With Hal, I died uh, a villain. Talking about Arthur Curry. Talking about you know the idea about Martian Manhunter. We see a little shot of him on on Mars. You know, he's like, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to come back. We're gonna we're going to get them back, just like we came back. All this is being observed by by William Hand. And you know, as he's reaching into this unmarked grave, pull the skull out. You know, we see you know Ralph and Sue Dibney. We see graves of uh, Ronnie Raymond. We, we, you know, we're Martian, we're, Manhunter, Martian yeah. Manhunter. We see there, and the last panel we see is is the black ring and a skull glowing green and scar kind of snickering in the in, in the lower panel, suggesting is he trying to make a black lantern out of out of Bruce Wayne? I don't know. Is that even Bruce Wayne in that grave? I don't know. Well, I mean, considering the revolving door that death usually is in most comic books, at least this you know is trying to address that issue a little bit. You know what I mean? I mean, in, in Marvel Comics, I mean, how many times has Jean Grey died, you know? I mean, it's the Quite. same thing in DC, yeah. Ross? And, and come back, you know? 
But I'm just saying, you know, it, usually they just, you know, it's just a plot device to bring her back or whatever, and they don't really explain all that much about how they come back from the dead or whatever because it's more of a MacGuffin. Here, they're taking something that's usually just glossed over in comics. These people that have, that have died come back, you know, like Green Arrow and um, all these other characters, and, you know, actually making it part of the story. And I think it's pretty cool. Do you, I mean, do you, am, am I, like, reading the, the tea leaves here correctly that I seem to think The Blackest Night is going to be another John's retcon, so to speak, of how death and superheroes work. I, I think that's I think that's going to be the takeaway. I think at, at, at the very least it's going to refer to exactly that concept. If it's going to rewrite it or, or recast that, it, it very well could. And as we look through 43 and you know, we see all the people who have died over the last several years, you know, I mean, we see... I mean, we're, we're basically reliving Sue Dibney and Ted Cord and Maxwell Lord, you know, to name to name just a few. Gene Loring, Doctor Light, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then and like, seeing... here's, the, and here's the thing: like, like you know, when like Human Bomb died and stuff in Infinite Crisis, like, man, the Dio really got the raw deal from fans, you know. And I'm sure, like, maybe this wasn't necessarily in his plan, but like, if the Dio didn't kill off, quote unquote, you know, and of course he didn't really do that. If he didn't kill off all these people. People would not be clamoring for Blackest Night right now, so it's like right. everybody that's whining, you're killing everybody, wah, you know what I mean? It's like, shut up. <laughs> well, at, at, <laughs> in Philly, in, at Wizard World Philly, I was sitting on the panel, and they're saying, people are saying, you know, thank you for bringing back Bart Allen, thank you for bringing back uh, Connor Kent, and on both cases, he's saying, you know, oh, and he was always coming back, oh, and he was always coming back too, you know that, right? You know, he's like, yeah, we killed him, but they were always going to come back. Going to the, the next page in 43, you know, uh, William Han is talking, yes, I see them all, and I see those that have escaped death, those that have died and resurrected. Now we're seeing Clark Kent, Diana Prince, Oliver Queen, Kilowog, Hal Jordan, you know, Tora, Connor Kent, Bart Allen, and Barry Allen. You want them back. I want them all. You know, so this directly goes to your point about rewriting or re-looking at the rules of death in DC Universe. It very much is going to address that clearly. You know, no, it's, really, it's really also cool how um, Johns took what was basically a really gimmicky hero from back in the day, Black Hand. And in this issue, 43, we get like kind of the secret origin of William Hand. And uh, it's brutal. I mean, especially the way it ends. Yeah. Well, the, the way it ends is, is, is completely unique. Like that, that William Hand we saw in issue number zero um, happens after this. We get, we, we, we get it right from the beginning of this. These events take place before Blackest Night number zero. You know, William Hand is still a... A, a human, a, a pretty disturbed human, but still human, until he pulls his little Green Lantern detector out and turns it on himself, and you know, basically on on screen, on camera, blows his head off, which is like, wow. I mean, I've, I know after killing his whole family. Well, yes. No one complained. Oh, you killed off Black Hand. No one. <laughs> well, no, no one complained. But it didn't take very long for Scar to uh, to uh, vomit up a black ring for him, and he becomes the first. Black Lantern. That was yeah, pretty wild. It makes sense that you would have to die to, to wield the Black Ring, it, right? It, exactly. Exactly. And it makes so, perfect sense, but it totally took me by surprise, which is, I guess, that's kind of why we like it so much. Just, yeah. You know, it's it's almost like like we said with Carol Ferris, we weren't expecting that twist. He's like, yes, but it makes perfect sense. I, I know. Yeah. I know some people questioned. Uh, you know, okay, I don't get the uh, the, inst- the instant zombie look he has in this last panel. You know, with the veins and everything. It's like, well. That's probably as much effect of the ring as anything else. I'll just like go with that, and I'm and I'm happy with that, you know. But this was definitely a creepy, 
in a good way kind of issue that I was just has just got me completely pumped for for uh, Black Sand number one and the whole series. And going back to our brief conversation earlier about you know what's going to come after, we've got till February. There's a long time until yeah. after. Hey, one thing I forgot to mention in Secret Origin, guys, is that when when William hands in his dad's uh, mortuary and he's like uh, at funeral home too, and he's looking in the casket. He he opens up the casket and then there's this white light that irradiates from the casket, and that seems to go in line with the anti monitor's white power. What I just sound racist there? White power. Um, yeah. <laughs> with the anti monitor's like uh, wave of destruction power source. Yeah, like that. That seems to be consistent with death. So like I just that that was another kind of like color issue in um, Secret Origin that I, I forgot to point out. Do you think Marbles the puppy will be a Black Lantern? Marbles That's the dog. That, he stuffs Marbles. I, I think, in all seriousness, I'm really interested in seeing what they do with the uh, with the crypt on Oa of all the dead lanterns. What's going to happen in there? Because, um, you know, when Ash was there, he could speak to all of them. He was communicating with, them, with, with all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's... Very think, likely, we're going to see something happen in there. I think Ken, that that's probably going to probably be in the Green Lantern core title because I don't. I, I agree. I, I can't like it's obvious. Like okay, Sinestro is going to be with Carol. John's going to be with Fatality. Hal's going to be with Black Hand for a while at least. And like we don't know necessarily what Kyle and Guy are going to be doing in all this. You know, and, like they haven't been like paired up just yet. Well, the kind of story. Well, yeah, from in terms so, of, a, of a villain, but going with the Star Sapphires and the love, and you know they've they've identified Tora. You know, right in heat, right in this book as a target, and we know um, guys trying to get, is, is working to get back with her. Uh, meanwhile, Kyle has hooked up with uh, uh, Sorenek Natu, who is going to be tied in with with Sinestro. So they're going to have their hands full. How it's going to play out, I'm definitely you know interested in. You know, I I, I just really just want to see let let John's Jeff Johns tell his story. Black Lantern Maxwell Lord versus Black Lantern Ted Cord. <laughs> hey, yep. did you see the yep. psycho the psycho pirate there's a cover to yeah. one of the superheroes it's um psycho pirate doesn't have a face he just has an eyeball hanging out of his skull because when black adam punched him punched his, the medusa mask out of him in infinite crisis so it's like however they died they're that, gonna that's still, how they come like, back yeah it's like Mars manhunter still got the hole through him from libra you know right like that, i don't know that's cool and same thing with firestorm from uh, shadow thief during Identity Crisis, too. And, so. that, make, and that makes sense. So yeah. I'd only imagine that Maxwell Lord Jim would be walking with his head completely turned backwards. And so would Ted Cord. <laughs> Ted Cord would have a big hole, big hole in the back of his head, yeah. They wouldn't be able to see each other. <laughs> <laughs> they will be walking like Thriller, though, if they're zombies, you know. <laughs> we'll be all s- skipping around and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, like, and as far as villains go, we're thinking uh, Captain Boomerang one, Mirror Master one. And some people have even said Black Flash because – and what Barry's going to have to do because of uh, Flash Rebirth right now. I don't know if those two stories are going to tie in yeah, I don't directly, know. probably uh, thematically with the whole death thing you know, with I'm, Barry. I'm curious stuff. to know how wh- – where they take place in relation to each other. I mean because we know Hal has been seen during he's, – he's, he's a part of, of Flash Rebirth. So just in terms of just a general timeline, how they, how they line up or if they line up. Yeah. Well, you know, Blackest Night's going to finish well after Flash Rebirth, so I, I'd probably say, you know, probably before, because, you know, Barry, remember Barry and Hal had that conversation, 
in zero. Yeah, so, so that suggests that maybe Flash Rebirth has been resolved by the time that conversation happened. Close, yeah, or like close that, to that it. That would make sense, yeah. But, um, well, that's kind of getting to the end of here. Now, Jim, I know you ran out and you got Wednesday Comics, um, which is kind of unusual because you're a trade dude like a lot of us here, but... Let me. We'll just kind of go around. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to the comic store first thing Wednesday morning, whenever it opens up to get number one here. But is this something that you think you're going to be running to the store, you know, to get maybe once a month or so? I've already arranged to uh, trade brunches yeah. for Wednesday comics. Very good. For uh, the next few weeks. So I'm going to have it delivered to me here every Sunday, which so is kind of ironic if you think about it. because Sunday it comics on Wednesday. Sunday <laughs> comics. So uh, Wayne, Wayne uh, from uh, Fan of the Attic is going to be bringing me my copy cool. every Sunday for brunch. So level I, of interest. I, I dug it a lot, dude. I, I really liked it a lot. So level of interest for Blackest Night, I mean, enough to, enough to trade a couple omelets? Or what do you think? I don't know. I think I, I, I like reading these stories all in big chunks. It was the same way I read the Sinestro Core War, and uh, it's the same way I think I, I, I want to read Blackest Night as well. I like these big events all in one book. Like I, I just ordered the uh, the Final Crisis hardcover, so I can sit and read that all in one piece. You know, I'll tell you, so do I. And, and I, as you know, I have my initial Green Lantern Rebirth 1 through 20, and then my Sinestro Core War sets bound because I like to read them like that. I was starting to decide how I wanted to bind the issues between Sinister Core War and Blackest Night. And uh, I'm looking here. I didn't realize it, I didn't really think it was that many issues. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have two books ready to go out. Well, my GL, my, my Green Lantern Core stuff going out. Uh, I'm not going to be buying trades or hardcovers on this stuff. I'm going to get them custom bound again. And then start figuring out how the heck I'm going to trade, how I'm going to collect uh, into my binding this uh, Blackest Night stuff. Because I can't wait to read this. I'm not to the point where I'm going to be paying full price at my LCS form. I can't even wait for, for uh, my online shipment to uh, arrive. Here's a little behind the curtains. Here's how everything happens on the dude's email chain. It'll be Wednesday. Ken will have lunch before any of, any of the rest of us. And he'll go out and he'll get the issue. And he'll just say, well, Flash, flash Rebirth number three. Holy crap. And then John will be like, oh, crap, I have to go out to my comic store. Yeah. But I already, and then John will be like, well, I already ordered this in my box anyway. So, <laughs> Yeah, so John, it's crap. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a sucker for the event, and I can't um, – I mean, I have them all, whatever has been solicited already. I have it ordered, but I'll go out on Wednesday for this. You I mean, it's kind of – that's part of the fun of it too. I mean, whatever. I'll tell you, my, my comic store is not necessarily close to where I work, however – I have got my my lunch hour time down to the second that if I hit everything right, I can get from work to uh, the comic book store to Burger King's drive through and back into the parking lot of work within that hour on Wednesdays. And any week that there's a Blackest Night tie-in, you better believe I'm making that run. As you guys know, I am literally right across the street from Austin Books. So it's really one of those where it probably takes me just as long to walk there as it does to drive there. But being that it's been 105 here for... 18 out of the last 21 days, I'll probably be driving across the street to, to pick it up on Wednesday. <laughs> Should have taken Arnold Palmer with you. <laughs> At least. All right. Um, don't forget, we are hoping or expecting to record one of our famous website-exclusive audio blogs on Blackest Night Number 1 that will, if the plan goes right, be showing up on the website, legionofdudes.com, the, the same day as you're hearing this. This is, this is Thursday, the day after, so we're hoping to record Wednesday night. If it doesn't happen, keep an eye out over the weekend. You'll get it, so that way you'll get the complete package of uh, 
you know, the, the, the War of Light straight up through Blackest Night number one. And uh, we're not sure who's going to be on that, but uh, just keep an eye out on the website for that. And don't forget, uh, episode 50 is coming up, and you leave your voicemails and your questions for the dudes or your, or your video messages on Facebook. Go to live.legionofdudes.com for full details on episode 50. Gentlemen, I think we have gone long enough. Anybody else want to say anything before we go? Um, just that if everything stays as is, which we are known to change things last minute, but uh, the calendar right now looks like Thor Volume 2 next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed, yes, Marvel, followed by uh, Captain America, which is going to be a part one. That's going to be our next maxi series. So we're going to hit the uh, Brubaker Captain America run, the Death of, and the Winter Soldier, and uh, leading into Reborn, which is good stuff. And then the week after that is episode 50. Wow, it's going quick. Yep. Yes. So that's what's uh, in the near future. I better go run a tuxedo right away. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and don't forget to go check out our brother podcast, Half Hour Wasted, at halfhourwasted.com every Monday, and check out episode 130 for, uh, again, a fantastic interview with Ethan Van Skyver. And uh, you can get a, get a look at what's going on in uh, in his life and Flash Rebirth and everything going on around that. Plus, we have a lot of cool exclusive content right on our website, uh, legionofdudes.com, halfhourwasted.com. Both take you to hhlod.com. We have some uh, audio blogs on there, some reviews from Johnny M. and from myself on some uh, recent things and uh, some web exclusive content on the site. So uh, check us out by all means. All right. With that, on behalf of the Legion of Dudes, I will simply say... <laughs> it's not that easy being green Having to spend each day the color of the leaves